Hi, this is Bill Cates, and welcome to your October edition of Voices of Experience. Are you looking for revenue-generating ideas? Well, they're in here. Are you looking for ideas that get even better on the platform? You'll find those here, too. And are you looking for new ways to look at your business so you can keep your vision clear and actions meaningful? Well, that's in here, too. I hope you have a pen and notepad handy, or if you're driving, your digital recorder. I think there's something in this edition for everyone. We begin this month's VOE with part two of Lynn Wayman's interview of Sam Horn. Take it away, Lynn. Now, you use the word ideapreneur. Tell us what you mean by that, and who's a good example? I think that Seth Godin is probably one of the most brilliant examples of an ideapreneur. Seth Godin, the author of Tribes and the new book Lynchpin, doesn't follow the crowd. He creates a crowd. Lynn, what I've noticed in our industry is that so many of us have been consumed with, does this word come up high in search? And if people Google this, what will my Google rankings Mm -hmm. be? So that, in a way, is following the crowd. When Seth Godin came up with tribes, he didn't ask himself, do people search for tribes? Is this coming up number one? No, see, he built a body of work. And I am reaching out to everyone in the National Speakers Association community. And I'm asking you, how much time are you spending on Facebook? How much time are you spending on Twitter? Because I absolutely believe in networking. I absolutely believe in staying in touch with our captive audience and catapulting our audience and expanding our network. The question, though, is, are we building a body of work? Are we looking ahead to the next five years? And are we asking ourselves in our topic, our genre, our industry, where are we headed? How can I create a crowd instead of follow a crowd Mm -hmm. by start blogging and writing and speaking and developing original content Mm -hmm. on an idea that other people will be studying instead of me studying other people's work? So the question is, where are we first to market? How are we original? How are we an un, unlike everyone else? Oh, I like those questions. Can you give us a couple of examples of what you call equity ideas? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked that question. Lynn, have you been to Hawaii recently by any chance? Not for about five years. Okay, well, then I'm asking you, if you're listening to this program, Mm -hmm. if you've been to Hawaii, because a few years ago, the scuba industry was tanking. (laughs) Some of these I just do for myself. (laughs) Okay, now what's the problem? Because everyone listening, there are four P's in coming up with a -a one-of-a-kind idea. We start with P, problem, then the next P is premise, the next P is process or program or product, and the final P is promise. Now I'm going to talk you through those four P's. So see, first, what's the problem? Why aren't people going scuba diving? Well, you have to carry those heavy tanks on your back, and it costs a lot of money, and you have to be certified, and that's cost money. And sometimes you can't equalize your ears. So see, there's a lot of problems. Now what's the result? There's a lot of shops that are going bankrupt because there's not enough foot traffic. All right, now, every time there's a problem, there's a premise. What is an original solution to a current problem? Well, one very innovative shop manager thought, hmm, we don't have to keep the tanks on our back. Why don't we keep them in the boat? 
and we'll just have a long air hose that everyone can hold in their mouth. And you don't have to go down 60 feet. You can go down 10 feet and swim with the huma huma nuka nuka wapawa'a. And now you need a name for this because, Lynn, if we don't name it, we don't own it. Remember, this is innovative. Mm -hmm. This delivers yes. value. What's an easy to say and repeat name? Let's use a technique we've already talked about, the half and half technique. You put a fresh piece of paper, vertical line down the center. This is half snorkel. It's half scuba. It's snuba. Da 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 da. A multi million dollar industry. Mm -hmm. Now, Lynn, I'm predicting that some people may be thinking, but I'm not creative. You know, my mind doesn't work this way. Anybody's mind can work this way. My teenage son's mind works this way. We're talking about the concept of serendipity. And I'm sharing my belief that it's not an accident, that when we honor those hunches, it connects us with synchronistic individuals or opportunities that move our life forward for good. Mm -hmm. Well, the boys were really intrigued, and they came up to me later that night, and they said, Mom, we really love that concept of serendestiny. Lynn, you could wrap a career around mm. that word. Mm. See, it, it follows all yes. the criteria we've just talked about. It's innovative. It delivers value. It's easy to say and remember. It's actionable. And so was Snuba. That's an equity idea. You mm -hmm. can think it up in your head. Mm -hmm. You can put it into practice in the mm -hmm. real world and earn a good living doing work you love that matters. So Sam, it's not just that some people have it and some don't. This is really a thought process, a creative process where anybody can generate these kinds of ideas using your strategies. I'm so glad you said that. We, we don't have to have an MBA, mm -hmm. we don't have to have a million dollar budget, and we don't have to sit around a table hoping creative lightning strikes. There's a pragmatic process, step yes. by step, a variety of techniques that anyone, and for all of you who have staff, you can use these ideas, sit down at lunchtime, brainstorm. You can walk out after a half an hour and have an equity idea that will drive your future for good. Great, great. Don't follow the crowd. Create the crowd. I like that. Thank you, Sam and Lynn. Back with us again, as he will be all year, is Terry Brock with another technology tip to make your life easier and more productive. Hi, this is Terry Brock with an important message for you as a professional speaker on a tool that is transforming our world and holds a lot of promise for you. You see, we are more than speakers. Yes, we call ourselves the National Speakers Association, and I think we should, but we're a lot more than that. We're writers, we're authors, we're website designers, we're coaches, we're consultants. We do a host of things, and I guess really when you get down to it, we're communicators, and we solve problems problems and make people's lives better. That's who we are. And a great tool for that that is emerging stronger than ever all the time is video. Video now is being used on the net and in other forms to connect with people in ways that we would only dream possible years ago. YouTube is one of the prominent players and one of the most well-known out there. If you don't have a channel right now on YouTube as a professional speaker, I encourage you to do not pass go, do not collect $200, get there immediately and get a channel on YouTube. But make sure you've got some good things to say and let it be more than just a talking head where you're just looking out there. You need a lot more than that. You can take this video and then you can repurpose it from YouTube into several of the other channels and there's a host of them out there where you can tailor it towards certain specific markets. 
And you need to be more than just a talking head. I love the way that Tim and Chris O'Shea demonstrate this with their hilarious videos. People watch those videos and they get to like Tim and Chris. They love what they're doing, the way they joke, the funny things. Even if you weren't at that convention and you're not part of that industry that they're talking about, you understand what they're doing and it's fun. And Tim and Chris, I know you're listening to this and you're doing a great job of that. Keep up the good work. Those kind of things are what you want to do. Watch YouTube and do some searches on other speakers. Do searches on different topics and notice what is being done right now. Another thing that you can do with video is combine screencasting with a video of yourself. Now by screencasting, this is something that is taking images that are on the computer and you're putting that available online so that people can see it. For instance, it's been used classically to show how to use computer programs. Like if you wanted to show how to use Excel or Word or uh, Keynote or PowerPoint or programs like that, you could demonstrate that with your voice behind it so that you create a little video and it's marvelous. You can combine that kind of thing with images of you on the screen so that people People would be able to see it. If you use PowerPoint or Keynote, hey, why not turn that into a video that you can put out there and use it to promote yourself and to even sell products and services that you have. You can do that very well and it works very nicely with these. Now products that work particularly well with that, I like Camtasia both on Windows and on the Mac. They're both good and by the way they're separate products. They are not the same. You have a little bit different features with each one and so get into those and learn about them. ScreenFlow and iShowYou are two other tools that you can use for this and there's more and more coming out all the time. But whatever you're doing, remember, content is the key. Because right now, there's so many videos available, we just cannot watch them all. There are thousands and thousands of hours that are being loaded every hour on YouTube alone. And so cutting through that clutter is going to be key. And the way you'll do that is with content. Come up with relevant ideas, humor, and information that satisfies the needs of buyers, not just viewers, buyers. Yes, this means you have to plan in advance and do your homework to come up with relevant, pertinent information. And here's an important point. Do it regularly. You know, I find that if I don't speak for a while, you might be able to relate to this. If you don't speak for a while, then I just don't feel like I'm quite on my game. The same is true for video. You get better as you practice and you get good feedback. But you got to be honest with yourself. Don't think of yourself as greater than you are, but even more importantly, don't put yourself down. We tend to do that when we watch video. Be objective. Then get close friends and even hire professionals who can be brutally honest with you to help you tweak and improve and become the person that you know you can be on video. Let this be the tool that you have to promote yourself and to sell more products and services. And the nice thing about it, you can make money this way. And I found those dollars, that money that you make there, spends just as well as the dollars you make from speaking. So you can do that and you don't have to do the little TSA dance here in the States and go through all the hassles of the airport. Instead, stay at home and present via video that you've created, via Skype video and things like that. This is the way our world is moving. Embrace video and be ready to pay the price to learn how to do it right. And when you've done that, you'll be very glad you did. Reporting for Voices of Experience, this is Terry Brock. Thank you, Terry Brock. By the way, I've done a bit of screencasting and adding video myself. If you'd like to look at a few examples, 
Go to ClassicReferralMistakes.com. That's ClassicReferralMistakes.com. There you'll find three mini lessons I've posted for my clients. They all have running video inserted into them, and two of them have video role plays inserted as well. So that's ClassicReferralMistakes.com for some examples of screencasting with video added. Our feature interview this month is with James Malinchak. James doesn't have his CSP, though he could qualify for it in a heartbeat. What James does have is one of the most interesting and successful business models I've been privileged to examine. While we have much to learn from James, I want you to pay particular attention to how he protects his time to accomplish a lot and still lead a balanced life. James, welcome to VOE. Hey, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you here. You've got quite a story, so let's start out with the the early years of James Malachek. How did you get started? What are some of the critical decisions you made that were the forerunners of your success in this business? You know, I'm, I'm much different than most people. I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to be a speaker. I didn't know that the speaking industry existed. I didn't know that people would actually compensate us for the great gifts we have, the message, the story, the uh, experience, the qualifications. I actually just wanted to write a book to help kids, specifically college students who were like me, uh, an average everyday C student, and I wanted to help them to believe that they could actually land their dream job and they didn't have to have the best grades you know so I just thought one day man there needs to be a book like this to help kids the average everyday C student so I said I'm going to write the book and I didn't know what the heck I was doing the first time I did it I printed it up for about eight dollars a book because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know that there are people that knew how to do this I mean I didn't know of NSA or publishing people Um, And I did everything wrong. And then I uh, invested $29. Notice I didn't say spent. I said invested in a great book by one of our fellow members, Dan Pointer. And it was when I didn't have like $29. (laughs) And uh, his self-publishing manual and anybody wanting to do a book should get it. And I followed step by step what he taught me to do. Learned how to print it up cheaply. uh, Ordered copies. And the book showed up and I was so jazzed and so fired up. And then I realized that that was the easy part because <laughs> I had a garage full of books. And uh, then a revelation happened that truly changed my whole life. The bill showed up. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, holy cow, Mr. MasterCard and Mrs. Visa does not care that I have a message and that I want to impact people and young people and that I'm, I'm on a purpose you know, to do this. They want paid. So I literally started cold calling colleges locally in Southern California where I lived at the time and just trying to get in and talk to the kids because I thought, well, maybe I could speak and help them and maybe they'll buy some of my books and I can pay down this bill. And the first time I did it, I was speaking in a classroom and 26, I think, or so kids were there. Ten of them got my book and I literally went outside in the bathroom, looked under the stalls. Nobody was there and I started jumping up and down because I couldn't believe I made a 100 bucks and like somebody actually wanted something that I wrote. <laughs> so I did that about... 80 sometimes before I actually realized that there's a speaking industry. And I've got to give a a thank you to a friend of mine. He's been a friend for a long time. His name is Joe Theismann. He used to be a quarterback for the Redskins. And I've known Joe for, gosh, I don't know, 15, maybe longer years. And he's the one, when I went to see him speak, actually taught me a little bit about that people will actually compensate you for your message. And I've gone on to do a lot of talks after, after learning that this is a business and pursuing it. 
And I had no clue. It was so foreign to me. I think many members can relate to the garage full of books. <laughs> and when the bill comes and nobody cares but us, I mean, we've all been through that, I think. So let's fast forward a little bit. What does your business model look like today? What are your various revenue streams? What drives you? We're having this interview in your lovely new home in Las Vegas, where you're going to have about 375 people come to your, I guess, public boot camp for other speakers. And I'll be attending. I'm looking forward to that. And so from 10 people buying your book at a college university to, to 375 tomorrow, and and I know you also do a rally where you get a thousand people. Let's talk about what your revenue streams are these days and how you got there. Uh, real simple. I still do fee-paid speaking for corporations and for colleges and for youth groups. And that's one market segment is fee-paid speaking. Uh, I also uh, do something that might be foreign to a lot of uh, NSA members, which is you don't get a fee, but you're able to offer it after your great value in your presentation. You're able to offer uh, some sort of product offering or service offering, like a telecoaching program or a consulting program or a product package, if you will. Uh, and that's called a platform offering. So no fee, but you're allowed to offer something in the back of the room. So I do that as well. And who hires people to do that sort of uh, program? Oh, boy, there are, there are so many different, a lot of real estate uh, event promoters will do that. A lot of uh, uh, stock market type event promoters. Um, but then a lot of uh, general organizations like a community event, you know, because a lot of folks, and this is what I want NSA members to understand, that there's a whole nother world other than just the fee paid. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what I, I think everybody should learn both. And you should actually learn as much as you can about all the different revenue streams. Because what if one dries up like 9-11? when a lot of the conventions were closed up for a while. Right. So, um, you know, um, like, for example, even my event, I'll have one or two folks there who aren't paid to be there, but they do a great service on teaching something, maybe like Internet marketing. Uh, they're not paid, but then I let them offer one of their great products or services to my attendees at the end of it. And that's how they get compensated. So this is where, quote unquote, back of the room sales Absolutely. becomes really critical to the success of the event. And I guess the people that attend these events are used to that. They, they understand that it's part of the deal. And some of them buy the product, some of them don't. But I guess the key is making sure that the value is there first. So it's not just one long commercial, correct? Oh, absolutely. And I will not have anybody uh, speak at my event who gets up there. As a matter of fact, it's in the contract that you have to deliver value for 98% of the time. And the last 2%, the last you know, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, I'll let you talk about your great stuff. But you got to teach my people. And you got to give them value so that when they're done with your presentation, they can walk out and get it cranking, whatever the topic is. Mm -hmm. And I think if you focus on that and you teach and you give and you serve in every presentation... People realize that, and they realize that you impacted them, and they want to take the next step. They want to continue the message with you, continue the education. And that's what people really got to understand. Don't get up there and sell stuff. You should never do that. Enrich people's lives. Give them great content, great value, so that they see, man, they come to the inevitable conclusion in their mind that I'd like to learn more from Bill. So how did you go from being a feed-paid speaker, which you still are, to doing these big events? What what was the decision process? What triggered it to happen? And then how did you make it happen? My story, I think, is a little different. Um, I never planned on helping speakers or teaching speakers. I didn't wake up. I mean, remember, I didn't even know about the general speaking market. Mm -hmm. And I went out and I started doing pretty darn well speaking, helping a lot of kids, a lot of faculty members, specifically starting in the college market. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, I was just, uh, I'm just 
a person that loves success and motivation. So I started speaking for corporations and youth events. And specifically for me, it was the college market. People started asking me, how do you do this? There are no budgets in colleges. And I just happened to be a guy who sort of figured some stuff out. I always say, look, I'm just a steel mill town kid who did some stuff right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And because... Because of that, I started to just give my number out to everybody and talk to everybody and try to give and help. And I literally had no free time. You know, people would call and I'd call them back in between flights or gigs and talk to them. And I had tons of people calling me and I just couldn't do it time wise anymore because I just didn't have time. I had no personal life. So I did a consulting with someone. It was actually at an NSA event several years ago. And I explained my challenge to the, the person. And he said, Well, why don't you throw a seminar? And whoever wants to learn this stuff can come in one weekend and you can leverage your time and teach it all in one weekend. And whoever, and this is an important point that he taught me, whoever doesn't want to invest in themselves, don't keep calling them back. Tell us a little more about your organization, who's who works for you, the roles that they play. So we get a picture of how your operation runs and maybe we can can glean something from that. Yeah, sure. I, uh, I, if you look at a chart, so to speak, I very much run it like a corporation. I'm at the top and I, I kind of call myself the wizard. And I don't mean that in a, <laughs> I mean that in a way to where I should be doing things that I should be doing, such as uh, the speaking that I love to do, the creating of curriculum, meeting, you know, new books, new CDs, uh, new training programs. I should be building joint ventures with folks who could uh, open up to new markets. I should be um, consulting with my clients or coaching with my clients. I should be doing the stuff that a CEO should be doing. I shouldn't be sticking stamps on envelopes. You know, I have a rule. I don't do anything I can pay somebody ten to hundred dollars an hour to do for me. So uh, I have a COO, Chief Operating Officer, who runs my company, and he's right under me, and he runs all operations. I have a marketing director that runs uh, all of our marketing, our online funnels, and our offline. I have an executive assistant. Now, here's a key that I think is really important. I don't do email. I know. You told me never to email you. (laughs) When you and I talked and we had dinner here, and you were were just baffled by that. And the only reason is, um, now I'm not saying we don't use email, okay, but we do. But I don't let people get to me via email because I get so much done in my company that if I were on email four or five hours a day, I wouldn't be creating curriculum. I wouldn't be handling my coaching clients. I wouldn't be talking to meeting planners and securing a date and explaining my value. I'd be doing ten to hundred dollar an hour stuff. Right. You know. So uh, my assistant handles everything. Goes everything goes to her, and she. This is important. If you look at my company, I have trained people on their roles and expectations. Who handles what? And the folks who work for me, they know who to go to in the organization, so that they don't have to be running to me. Okay, so our customer service person knows if, if they need to have something handled, they go to my COO. My marketing person knows that you know if he needs to schedule time to talk with me on the phone for an hour, he goes to my executive assistant, she schedules it. And she pretty much runs my life. So I'm removed from the day-to-day stuff. I don't ship books out. I sign books and autograph them because I think that's great value for folks and it, it's a special imprint on their, their spirit. But I'm not wrapping them up. Right. You know, so well, you've protected yourself, haven't you? Right, and it's it's not that uh, you're trying to not be accessible to everybody. It's just that you know the most valuable commodity we have on this earth, next to breathing, is our time. 
and we have such little time. And you can always make more money. You can always get more speaking gigs. You can always get more customers or clients, but you cannot get more time. And so how much value do you place? And I always say that you should put a money value on your time. So if you believe you're worth, if you're charging $250 an hour for a consulting, let's just make this number up, mm-hmm. and you're doing $10 an hour work, you're losing $240 in an hour. You know, so you've got to really, and I always say this when I teach my trainings, that your entire business should be run by a $5 calculator. You got to make the numbers work and you got to understand how the numbers work. And so if you're $250 for a consultation and you're doing $10 an hour stamps on envelope work, you're losing $240 an hour. So now we know the real brains behind your organization. It's a $5 calculator. <laughs> hey, I'm, a, I'm just a steel mill town kid who did some things right, Bill. It makes a lot of sense though. Well, speak to me a little more about this. It's a challenge that I face and I know many successful uh, members face this where how accessible are we mm. to to clients to 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 the individuals versus the meeting planner? How accessible are we? And I've I've I think I've always leaned towards being more accessible than less accessible. Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't always serve me. Right. Yeah. I think. See, it, it, this is one of the things I try to teach folks. The the first, and if, if anybody listening will just follow this, you will liberate yourself tremendously. The first answer most people have, especially us in, in the speaking business, and especially when we're starting or uh, you know we don't have like the team in place, the first answer to everything is yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you ever said that and then found yourself overcommitted? Sure. Yeah, the first answer for me for everything is no. And I want to see who comes back a second time. If they come back a second time, I know they're pretty serious. Well, you're coming from a place of abundance rather than a place of scarcity, I think. Absolutely. And here's another thing, too, that I think is so critical uh, when it comes to our business, most people, I believe, set their business up the incorrect way and they design their lifestyle to fit their business. My business is designed to fit my lifestyle. You know, so if I don't like to work on Fridays, I don't work on Fridays. And someone needs to do a call with me on Friday. I'm sorry, James doesn't work on Fridays. You know, I want to email James this. Okay, we well, can email it to James's assistant. Well, no, I want to send it to him directly. Sorry, that's not the way we run our company. And so we really make people conform to what fits our lifestyle. And that's why we can get so much stuff done. And it really is business structure. And and here's the key thing, I think, for speaking. Don't ever forget, we're running a business, you know, and so we should structure it like a business. Um, I've found that most folks run a hobby and we should run a business. How would a, and you should think of yourself, I don't care if you're starting out or if you're, you know, a multi-million dollar speaker, you have to be the CEO and the founder of your business. And how would that person act? You know, would that person be returning a customer service call on the initial inquiry? I don't think so. Tell us some of the mistakes you've made along the way and what you've learned from them. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, and I hope this uh, doesn't come across the wrong way, but I, I, the biggest mistake I have made looking back is believing what I believe is the biggest myth or lie perpetuated in the speaking business, which is dream big and everything will work out as a speaker or just speak with passion or just tell your story and everything's okay. There are two sides to the coin. You have, you have your message, you have your passion, you have the great value you're bringing, the service, the information. But the flip side of the coin is it's a business. And most people get into it thinking that if I just share my story, and I did that, and I lived in a $400 a month apartment on Brand Boulevard in Glendale, California and used to work in a video store at night. 
and I was dreaming big. I'm not saying dreaming big is not important, but it takes a heck of a lot more than dreaming big. I'm not saying you shouldn't visualize, but I have sat on my couch and I sat in a lotus position (laughs) and I hoped for the roof to open up and money to come in and get bookings and it never happened. But when I realized that I'm not in the speaking business, I'm in the business of marketing my speaker services and that I need to know how to position myself uniquely, the, the four P's, position myself uniquely. I need to know how to package myself. The, the appropriately to that unique positioning. I need to know how to present myself and my presentation and my unique value in the right way. And then I, I need to know how to get paid. Okay, so I need to know which budgets they have, uh, how to pull uh, money from continuing education budgets for my, my books or CDs if they don't have a speaker fee. I need to teach them how to fund my stuff. So it's when I realized it's really those four things and that I'm in the business of marketing my speaker services, and I always share with folks, don't think like a speaker, think like a marketer. Because if you're thinking like a marketer, then you're looking for the different revenue streams. You know, So you're looking at the different ways that you can get your message out. Like uh, I, I think something you do is licensing with mm-hmm. your great program, right? Right. You know, Well, if you're thinking like just a speaker, we get programmed to think that it's just a fee. Get a fee, do a great job, go get next fee. Okay, but what I say is a couple reasons why you speak are number one, of course, now let's let's let me just say this. Let's put this aside for a second. We know we speak to help people and to make the world a better place and to impact people with our mission. So let's So you're not you're not discounting that. Oh, no way. There's two sides to the coin. Right. Okay, there's always two sides to the coin. What I'm talking about, let's just talk about the business for a second. So if we put our heart and our mission aside for a second for the sake of the business conversation. You speak for a couple of reasons if you're looking at it as a business. Number one, you speak because you're getting paid a fee. I mean, if you think about it, we are uh, something I learned from a guy named Dan Kennedy. We're high-paid laborers because if you track on a per-hour basis from the minute you step out of your door to the minute you get home, and let's say your fee is, I don't know, 2500 bucks, you're making like about $40, $48 an hour roughly. Well, that's a lot to go through for going through security and plane delays, <laughs> all that, mm-hmm. right? So you understand that you, we speak for a fee. Uh, we also, number two, speak to get spinoff business so that maybe people in the audience will see the value and maybe want to bring us to their event. Uh, the third is we speak for repeat business. Hopefully that event coordinator was impacted and want to bring you back. Well, you have to stimulate that because don't think that they're sitting around thinking, hey, boy, I'd like to book Bill Cates for 17 times. You know, We have to stimulate that. Okay. The fourth is so that you can offer your continuing education. So if people there loved you and got great value out of your your presentation, there are people who will want to continue on. And this is what I always say. A lot of folks don't need help in that room. And they're going to forget the message within 48 hours. They need help when they get back to the office or back to the street and they don't have that positive environment. So if you believe in your great stuff, and you believe that you're serving people and impacting their hearts, their minds, their souls, their spirits, and you're enriching their lives, then you have to make your great information available because people learn differently. I may learn best from hearing you in a presentation. The guy sitting next to me might learn best from watching your DVD of the presentation over and over. Someone else may learn best from uh, reading the presentation in you know transcribed written format. So you want to put your information out in different methods of learning. Okay. And then the fifth one, and this is the big mistake, this is the huge mistake I made, is not realizing that I should be acquiring 
a database of people who could actually invest in my products and services forever and ever and ever by having email signups or getting them onto a direct mail database. And that was a mistake I made. If I would have been doing that from the beginning, I'd probably have about a half a million people on my database. But, you know, that's a mistake that we forget that we should stay in touch with people through our email newsletters and great content. So those are some mistakes that I made starting out. Continuing education means continuing impact, mm-hmm. means continuing the business. That's a nice Absolutely. Nice that's nice. very well put. So you, you said in four seconds what it took me four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's why they pay me the big bucks, James. Um, so what does the future look like for you? And, and I know that you've got something exciting uh, coming out. You're going to be a part of a TV show. So let's tell us about that a little bit because this is really exciting. I think any NSA member would aspire to something like this. I am uh, so grateful and so blessed. You know, I joke, but I really mean this. I'm just a steel mill town kid from Manesson, Pennsylvania, who happened to fall into something that he didn't know he was going to love, the speaking business, and happened to do some things right. And uh, I've been very fortunate that certain things have come my way that I never planned on. If you would ask me when I started out, back when I was in that $400 apartment, if I'd be doing some of the things and be blessed to help some of the people I'm helping, I would have told you, Bill Cates, you're crazy. And uh, I have been approached, and it's filmed, and it's done. And uh, it is, uh, I'm so excited about it. It's on ABC primetime. And the show's called uh, Secret Millionaire. And uh, the, the greatest thing I've ever done in my life was be with my sister, Vicky when she was dying of a brain tumor. And to have that brother and sister time when we were together, and I, I knew she was not going to live. And that's very special and it's always been dear to my heart. And it's actually one of the reasons I started speaking is, is sharing that story. The second greatest thing I've ever been fortunate to do is go on this show and basically be undercover. No one knew that uh, I had accumulated a certain level of wealth. And I was just volunteering for charities and organizations and uh, undercover, and at the end of the week, my job was to whomever I thought was making a positive difference in the lives of others, I opened up my checkbook and started writing them checks to further their cause and further their purpose. So you went through some very poor communities oh. and, and talked to people who were in the communities trying to make a difference for those individuals, yeah. and by the end of the show, you helped help them fund their dreams of helping others. I, I did, and... Uh, I lived in a ghetto. I lived on $44 and I think it was $44.62 on a week. During the show? During the show. That's what I had to survive. And I I had no television. I had no computer. I had no cell phone, no credit card, no money. And I had to live in uh, situations that a lot of these beautiful people were living in. Bill, I got to tell you, I met some of the most unbelievable salt-of-the-earth people. Um, I went on this show thinking, okay, I'm some guy going to go on this show and I'm going to write some checks to some people doing some good stuff. Uh, By the second day, it totally changed my life because I met the greatest serving, giving people who have no financial wealth. But what I learned was rich was much more than money and that they were rich far beyond money. And speaking of rich is much more than money, uh, you now have a book coming out with that title. I do. I'm very grateful. It's uh, Rich is More Than Money, The Business and Life Lessons I Learned Being a Secret Millionaire. And it uh, recants my whole story and what I learned from these amazing people, just observing them and putting it into 
a format that will allow companies to uh, have their culture following these principles and individuals following these principles for their lives. And being the marketer you are, you're going to launch this book the same time the TV show launches. Oh, it's uh, we, we've got so many things in place that uh, got about 10 million emails that if everything goes the way we're planning, are going to be going out to uh, promote the show and to uh, launch the book and to uh, create a speaking tour and help more people. Uh, th- these folks on the show changed my life. It, it's one of the, it's the second greatest experience I've been through. Thank you, James. And wait a second. No email? No email? Wow. Freedom. That sounds great if you ask me. That would give me more time to write, create marketing plans, practice my golf swing, and take a nap in the afternoon. Lots of naps. Thank you, James. Here's a word about the Winter Workshop coming up in Atlanta, Georgia. G'day, I'm Neen James. And I'm Gina Shrek. And we are chairing the UN Conference in Atlanta. February 18th through 20th. So it's coming up before we know it. I mean, Neen, I'm so excited. It seems like we were just at convention. This conference, the difference is it's about implementation. Really going deeper with the knowledge and really starting to apply it and make sure that we leave with something that's changed in our business. But, you know, we keep saying un, unconference, unbelievable. It, what What's really going to be different? Because I think a lot of times we hear, oh, this conference is going to be different. True. What will really be different this time? I think the difference, one of the big differences, we're going to have break-in sessions instead of break-outs. Everyone tells us, too, that they like the hallway conversation. So we've created whole cons as part of the whole experience that people are going to have. There's a couple of other cool things that are happening as well. Well, and the hall cons, even to elaborate a little bit, those are just really we're going to have more intentional time Absolutely. set aside for those hall cons and I think you know those happen naturally but we're going to make sure that there's a little bit more time for those I'm excited I, I don't know why but I think I just love this whole concept that we came up with with the Kia bars you know in Apple stores they have the genius bars and you go in and you have some one-on-one time and you get to have whatever question you have answered by the expert right. well we can't steal the genius name so since at NSA we have a lot of know-it-alls we're going to do the Kia bars K-I-A know-it-all. Yeah, we're creative. We're going with the Kia bars, and we're going to have these tables set up throughout the conference where you can come up and actually have your questions answered. There might be a marketing expert there for 30 minutes. There might be, um, you know, 30 minutes later, there might be a technology expert that focuses solely on the iPad. Um, And then we'll have some other experts scheduled. You can look at the schedule and sit down with an individual or a group, so I'm. That's going to be really cool. Let's talk about technology too, because we're going to have a social media track that's going to have a real intensive behind beginner, intermediate, and advanced. The feedback we got from people is they want to hear about it, they want to know how to use it, but we're all at different levels of our learning. So what we've decided to do is really segment this particular social media intensive track, and we have found the best people to be talking about that as well. So I'm excited about it. Let's uh, talk about some of the unbelievable speakers that we have lined up for this convention. We're so excited to announce that Matt Church is flying from Sydney, Australia to share with us. He is known as a global thought leader. So he's going to be one of the highlights of the convention, or the conference, I'm sorry, the UN conference. <laughs> so what, who else have we got on the agenda? We're going to actually have Robert Bradford, who folks just can't seem to get enough of. True. And he's going to actually do an intensive session where we spend a few hours with him and really go deep into you know the strategy of 
build a successful business. So I guess if we were to summarize why you need to invest about taking inspiration to implementation as we had mentioned earlier, it's really about that CSP level learning, digging deep for opportunities and ideas to really increase your revenue, to build your business. I guess we would say that it's probably unconventional ideas. It is, and it's a lot of unscripted sessions. And it's unbelievable learning. You know what? It's really going to be unflippin' fabulous. It's now time for our segment on how the best get better on the platform. As the most successful speakers know, one of the best marketing tools we can employ is a great presentation. This month, we have Her Highness, Lady Patricia Fripp. So Patricia, how do the best get better on the platform? Bill, if a professional speaker is serious about taking their presentation to the next level, what I would call going from good to great to awesome take an actual live presentation, a speech you actually gave, and have it transcribed. Mm -hmm. Don't do it yourself. Use a transcription service. What we want to do is read exactly what came out of our mouths, not what we think we said. Once you have your transcription, get a yellow highlighter and highlight all the eyes. It is impossible for us to speak and not say I when we're talking about our experience and opinions. However, if you read what you actually said and it is something like what I want to talk about, what I will do next, what I am going to talk about, and a speaker I heard last week had those three lines in the beginning of their presentation, we have to imagine that a percentage of the audience is thinking, so what? Who cares what's in it for me? Once you look at what's written in black and white, rephrase them and rehearse so what replaces them is something like, thank you for the opportunity to discuss the research that's become the foundation of my book. Or, in the next 45 minutes, you will learn five specific techniques guaranteed to take your speaking career to the next level. This is what I call speaking as an audience advocate or watching the I versus you ratio. We need to learn what Jerry Seinfeld said. He said, I consider a good day's work if I can take an eight-word sentence and edit it down to five. Jerry knows two principles that speakers who want to get to be great and awesome need to adopt. He knows the shortest distance between the setup and the punch phrase, the bigger the laugh. This is a great discipline when we take it to business and professional speaking. The amount of times that we use too many words in between, each and every one of you in this room nine words to say you and when you take out the words that have no value the ones that are left are more memorable secondly the idea of stepping on a punch word and this is really the fourth technique which is Jerry's second technique not stepping on your punch word or punch phrase now in comedy it's the the last part of the sentence that triggers the laugh. That's exactly the same in business and professional speaking. So maybe you don't want to call it the punch phrase, you want to call it the impact phrase. 
with you, with your sales professionals, they might say, you have to make a decision today. The impact word or the punch word is decision. Today, you need to make a decision. So you put the impact phrase at the end. My fripicism is, and this is what I coach all my executives, any unit of time today, in the next 45 minutes, in 1965, these are all setup phrases, not punch or impact phrases. I met the man who changed my life in 1965. You're killing the impact. The man who changed my life is the impact phrase. So we need to say, in 1965, I met the man who changed my life. I set a new goal that day. No, it's more impactful if you say, that day, I set a new goal. Even Obama breaks the frit rule. If you listen, and this is his repetitive refrain, and we all have them, which is why we have to listen and transcribe to know. He says, we need affordable health care for everybody in America right now. In America right now is killing the impact. If he needs it, and I don't think we need to take what is assumed, we know it's immediate and we know it's America. In America right now, we need affordable health care for everyone. Thank you very much, Patricia. So, never step on your punch words and never step into a punch. If you currently speak overseas or are interested in speaking overseas, then listen carefully to this next segment with Rebecca Morgan and Scott Freeman, and they'll tell you how you can become a part of the next Global Speakers Summit. On behalf of the Global Speakers Summit Planning Committee, we'd like to invite you to attend the next summit, April 14th through 16th, 2011, in the Netherlands, in Nordvik, near Amsterdam. Amsterdam? Isn't that where they have those great coffee shops without any coffee? You know, the Colombian, but no Colombian roast, so to speak. What, what are you talking about? You can get coffee nearly anywhere. Uh, never mind. Let's talk about other mind-altering possibilities. We're excited about how the programming is shaping up. In addition to high-profile keynotes and breakouts focused on building your global speaking brand, we'll have lots of opportunities for 15-minute showcases to spotlight what you do. So there'll be meeting planners there, Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gunter will be there. Gunter? Who's Gunter? I'm, I'm just kidding. Meeting professionals will be there. MPI Europe is one of our partners. So you just never know who may show up in your room, uh, your meeting room, that is. We'll also watch some of the best from each association on the main platform. But in addition to seeing the various styles of our international colleagues, I'm excited to learn the best practice tips that we can adapt to our own businesses. We'll also have the best in presentation delivery and some high-profile personalities via webcast. Well, that's because we couldn't afford their $50,000 euro fee. In addition to the powerful programming and opportunity to expand your brain trust with International Global Speakers Federation members, there'll be some fun, too, Scott. Well, fun is always good. Enjoy the journey, I've always said. The summit's being held at a luxurious hotel right on the beach, and we'll have the whole hotel just for us, no other groups. The program includes a special Dutch night featuring local entertainers and culture, and since the summit's being held in tulip season, if your bucket list includes visiting the Netherlands tulip fields, we've got pre- and post-conference tours available. 
You can visit the Van Gogh Museum or other excursions with your speaker pals to help create a really memorable experience. So, if you'd like to be considered for a showcase or breakout session, just go to globalspeakers.net and click on the GSS 2011 image right there on the right. There you'll find a link to the online application. And, of course, you can register for the summit there as well. In fact, the sooner you register, the more you save on the fee. Just go to globalspeakers.net today. It will be an experience that will not only help your business, but will be a lifetime special memory. See you there. Just to make sure you got that, it's the Global Speaker Summit, July 14th through 16th, 2011, in Amsterdam. Go to globalspeakers.net. Thank you, Rebecca and Scott. I don't know about you, but tiptoeing through the tulips with Scott Friedman is definitely on my bucket list. Up next is Susie Pomerantz to talk about employing a coaching program as one of your revenue streams. So with me again for VOE is Susie Pomerantz. I like to call her the coach's coach because when it comes to coaching, particularly executive coaching, I don't think anybody knows more about it than she does. And last time we talked with Susie about do you want to add coaching to your speaking business? Do you want to expand coaching to your speaking business? This time we're going to talk about how to get a coaching program going. So Susie, uh, what are the various models you've seen for coaching? There's so many models. So there's really no limit to, to the creativity with which you could design a program. There's every kind of coaching. So you can coach around specific target content, which is you could be an executive coach. You could be a life coach, a career coach, a business coach. You could focus on leadership. You could be a team coach. There's a number of different ways to do it. One of the models that I've seen really works with coaching is to add it on to any kind of training or speaking to ensure that knowledge transfer back into the workplace and the ROI for the organization. I've seen models where coaching is outsourced. So you would hire an organization that has a cadre of coaches that then get up to speed on your content and they coach for you under the under your banner. I've seen models around collaboration where speakers connect up with coaches, you know, just a small group, maybe two or three coaches that you particularly trust and value who you know are aligned with you philosophically, who can who can coach your content and beyond, take it to the next level. There are a lot of different models of how you can implement coaching. You can do phone coaching, you can do in-person coaching, you can do team coaching, one-on-one coaching, intact team coaching. The sky is the limit. So it's as flexible as you can be creative with your imagination as to how you want to do it. And it's really what works for your clients and what's going to give them the best value. So there's something you said that got me curious. Last time we talked about the difference between speaking and consulting and coaching and how coaching is mostly asking and wondering and letting the answers come from the clients. But you talked about finding someone who's in line with your philosophy and who can coach to your content. Mm Mm-hmm. To me, that sounds, you know, like they're not together. You hear a disconnect in there. That's great. That's a really good distinction. So as a coach, you are pulling the wisdom out from your clients. Part of what coaching provides is a, a technology of listening. Coaches are trained to listen at different layers. If we are armed with your content, for example, I know that you're the referral king. So if you were to partner with me and I were to study all of your content around referrals and basically you were to do a brain dump and I were to know the way you think about referrals and the way you teach about referrals, then I could be listening specifically for opportunities to weave that into the coaching. 
So while I'm listening for the clients, for the places where the client may not be applying it accurately, or while I'm listening for the places where the client gets in their own way, I could also at the same time be listening for places to ensure that they understand the content as you've taught it. So your expertise allows you to listen differently. You you listen for certain things, and I could, that's, of course, I guess it directs your questions a little bit. The type of questions you ask can be based on your expertise well. As that's well. exactly right. So the other big piece in coaching mastery is not just how you listen and how you're trained to listen, but it's also in designing the questions that are going to elicit pulling out that wisdom from the client. So it absolutely contributes to the kinds of questions that get generated in the moment because there's that filter through which we're listening as a coach. So a leadership coach might be listening through the filter of various leadership models. If I'm coaching to your content, what I mean by that is I would be listening through the filter of your distinctions around referrals and how to get referrals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good. Makes sense. So give us uh, some thoughts on how a speaker, a subject matter expert, can get going in the coaching business? What are some first logical steps to build their model? So the first thing to do would be to understand those distinctions between coaching, consulting, and speaking, and to really figure out where your strengths lie. What's the best use of you? What's the best use of your time? Because you may decide that strategically you want to get a coaching business going, but you may not be ideally suited to be the coach. So then you've got to determine the strategy of how you're going to execute that. So first of all, you want to see, does coaching align with your business model? If it does, great. Then talk to people who are already doing it and figure out what is the best use of you. So get some clarity around your mindsets, do your research, do your market research, do some informational interviews. And if it makes sense for you to be the person adding coaching then go get some coach training. And there are a number of places where you can do that. So that was going to actually be my next question. Should someone who's serious about becoming a good coach, should they go through some sort of coach training? And if so, where does one do that? Where do, where do you look for ways to become a better coach? Yeah, I definitely recommend getting some coach-specific training. And the reason for that is integrity of the profession. Because, for example, since I mentioned before, there are no, there's no barrier to entry. So what that means is anyone, anytime, anywhere can basically print up a business card, hang out a shingle and say, I am now an executive coach. And there's no one to stop them from doing that. So if you really want to be serious about the business, you want to get some kind of trainings that distinguishes you from the charlatans who just decide they're a coach, wake up one day and say, I'm going to help people, (laughs) which, you know, we all have some compelling need to help people. Mm -hmm. But places to do that, there's a number of really respected programs around. You can check on the ICF, the International Coach Federation website, for a list of the programs that they consider accredited coach training programs, although I'm not exactly sure that anyone accredited the ICF to accredit these coach training programs because that's one of the problems in the industry. But one of the, some of the more respected programs to check out for executive coaching would be the Georgetown program. Georgetown University has a a coaching certificate program. Columbia has a coaching program. Wharton has a coaching program. NYU has a coaching program. And those are some credible institutions. So they are going to have very solid coaching programs. And I've heard great things about them. But there's also the Newfield Network does a lot of really good stuff around coaching. The Adler School of Coaching up in, in Canada. New Ventures West. The College of Executive Coaching, which is a place where I'm one of the faculty members. And and so really just talk to a number of different coaches, find out where they got their coach training, and make sure it aligns with you, your philosophy, and your style, because there are, there are over 400 coach training programs out there. So really, you want to find ones that are credible, that are a match for you. Hmm. 
Good. So work on the craft of coaching just like we work on the craft of speaking. Right. Good. So Susie, as we uh, wrap up this segment, based on this particular conversation, what are your marching orders to our members? What are some obvious action steps that NSA members who want to get started in coaching or expand their coaching, what can they do next? Well, if you're clear that it does align with your business model and that it is the best use of you or that you have some other way of outsourcing it, really do an honest self-assessment about whether or not you as a subject matter expert can give up knowing in favor of listening can give up knowing in favor of wondering, because that's a really important distinction around coaching. If you can't, be honest with yourself. If you can't, you still can have a great coaching program as an added revenue stream, but it may not be you that's doing the coaching. If the answer to that is yes, that you can make that shift and you are a good coach, then then get a mentor coach. Have someone work with you as a mentor coach to give you feedback as to how you're doing as a coach. One of the integrity points for those of us who have been coaching for a long time is it's impossible to sell executive coaching if you yourself don't have your own coach in your business. Mm. Um, it ends up being a disconnect. Um, you know, it's interesting. You struck me about this difference between speaking and listening and telling versus wondering. I mean, we are called the National Speakers Association. Right. So I suspect uh, there may be some folks that wouldn't be able to belong to the National Listeners Association. <laughs> well, you couldn't get up on a stage and command the dollars that you command as a speaker if you just stood there and listened. <laughs> you have to have something to offer as a speaker. I as guess. a coach, it's a little bit more subdued and subtle than that. It's You're you're pulling it out of them. Definitely. Yeah. So Susie Pomerantz, uh, another segment full of good information. Thank you. Thank you. In our next segment with Susie, we're going to be talking about how you become a better coach specific things you can do to become an even better coach. Thank you, Susie Pomerantz. We look forward to your segment next month. Now it's time to hear from another member of the Million Dollar Speakers Group, successful business person and prolific author, Diana Boer, CSP, CPAE. Diana Boer, what are you doing? What's one thing you're doing to make money this year? Well, the one thing that's been the most important to the success of my business has been going deeper with each client. And what I mean by that is marketing within large organizations to really penetrate that organization so that we become really the global provider for the communication topics rather than just scattering our efforts and our time over a broad prospect base. You know, we serve really about 60 to 80 clients each year, and we've done that for the last 25 years. But what we really try to do is to go very, very deep in about six or eight clients on an ongoing basis. Now, that's not anything new for us, but it's something that we've done more consistently and better each year, and I think with better results. From the very beginning, our target clients have always been Fortune 500 organizations in about five industries. That's engineering, oil and gas, high tech, financial slash insurance, and healthcare. And the reason we go after those people is because they talk a lot and push a lot of paper, and that's what we do, communication topics. But what I mean by going deep, to get real specific here, is we absolutely lavish attention on them. We go to their showcases. We go two or three levels high in the organization from our initial contact. We get sponsors in each business unit and purposefully ask them to be our sponsor, just very openly and directly, and ask them to sponsor us into other units in the organization. We give them any kind of report that they want, which takes a lot of administrative time. That's what we hand off to a staff member. We give them volume discounts for uh, multiple dates, and when we talk about multiple dates, I'm talking about 40, 50, 60 dates a year. 
We customize, customize, customize. We even provide them equipment when these companies come back, and sometimes they're doing 100, 200 dates on any, you know, in different business units. Like one of our clients has 38 different business units, and they may have five or six different people asking for the same room, some same meeting room, same facility, and all their AV equipment's gone. So we would furnish the AV equipment. We even rent our own facilities to them. If they say, we don't have a room we'd love to have, we've got 200 key managers coming in, we'd love to have that meeting on that date, but we can't get a room. We say, hey, (laughs) we've got the building, we've got the facilities, we'll rent it to you cheaper than a hotel will. We do that. So that's what I mean by lavishing attention on those six or eight or ten clients that particular year. And the payoff is huge. I've become personal coach to their senior executives. They accept any consultant that I want to send if I can't go and I'm booked. And I say, look, Chris can do it or Sally can do it. I guarantee their results. They take my word for it. Uh, They treat me like royalty if I'm doing a a keynote for one of their sales meetings or their management meetings. They keep an open PO for us for any add-on business. So if one of their other business units calls and says, do I have to go through a lot of paperwork? I say, no, you've got a national account with us. It's an enterprise contract. And they say, oh, that makes my job easy. They rarely ask price for any kind of special assignment or special event. And then they tell us the value that we've delivered for them. We don't have to go around telling them the value. And we've worked with a lot of these clients that we've penetrated deeply like that for 15 or 20 years. So it's like an annuity. So I would say going deep with clients to become adept at shaping our expertise to whatever their challenge is and really learning their business. That's the one thing that I think has had the biggest return on our investment of time and effort. Thank you, Diana. You know, I've only hosted two VOEs so far, yet there is a strong theme emerging. Have you noticed it yet? It seems most of the successful speakers do more than just speak. They have multiple ways of getting their important message across to people who want to hear it. We do it through our platform time, through audio recordings, video, and the written word. Many of the most successful have realized that continuing education or program reinforcement is both good for the client as well as our income. Ladies and gentlemen, our president, Kristen Arnold. As the economy continues to show signs of improvement, the executive teams I've been working with are cautiously optimistic, seeing green shoots of activity sprouting up everywhere. Smart business owners were not only trimming expenses six months to a year ago, but they were also strategically repositioning their products and services to be the first out of the gate as the economy comes out of this recession. I hear the same optimism from you, my fellow speakers. At this point, you have probably analyzed every single expense. Those things you commit not only your dollars, but your time, your effort, and your staff. And by doing so, you've uncovered areas to cut or trim away. And you've also explored better ways to provide the same or even greater value to your clients, and possibly at a lower cost. To grow the top line, Many forward-looking speakers are also venturing beyond the products and services they currently provide. Your clients currently buy your unique ability to speak, train, facilitate, motivate, coach, consult. They are all depending on you to see beyond the corner, to forecast what they will need from you. This is often called the Wayne Gretzky maneuver, where the Canadian hockey legend was famous for skating to where the puck was headed, and not to where it was at that moment in time. 
So the key to looking beyond the corner is in your intelligence, your innovation, and creativity, with a dose of chutzpah to take a leap of faith, which is more like taking a well-calculated risk. Similarly, I'm optimistic for our association. Like you, we have analyzed every single expense item in the past year or so. Trust me, we are not a wasteful association. Our CEO, Stacy Tetchner, and staff are extremely talented at stretching your membership dollar. And this year, we are rigorously reviewing our products and services mix, making sure that everything we do adds value to you, our members. We're also exploring new and different ways to engage our diverse communities, provide segmented education to meet your specific professional needs, as well as provide leading edge information to help you be wildly successful in this business. One example of how NSA is doing this is with the lab concept. Lab chair Rory Vaden, along with a stellar faculty, including Mark Sanborn, CSP, CPAE, and a few hand-selected others, are taking the elements of our tried and true lab model and combining it with an innovative and interactive hands-on approach to bring you a business transforming event. We're having just one lab this year devoted to the keynoter to help them book more business, generate more revenue, and become more dynamic and memorable on stage. It will be two days in the middle of the week in Las Vegas. Can you believe it? We're not in Arizona. January 12th and 13th. So keynoters, mark your calendars now for an event you just won't want to miss. You know, these are exciting times to be a professional speaker and to be part of the National Speakers Association. This is also a great time to get involved in shaping NSA's future at the local level by participating in your chapter activities. And at the national level, we are currently looking for nominations to serve on the national board. So if you're interested, just go to nsaspeaker.org for more details. And don't forget to have fun this year playing Wayne Gretzky so you can be the first out of the gate as this economy comes out of this recession. Thank you, Kristen. Well, that does it for your October edition of VOE. This is your host, Bill Cates, reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on ideas will make you more successful. See you next month. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.